Um, so the US and the UK is a very well-established um, dual tax treaty. The US has treaties with it's a lot of countries. I think it's like 70 different countries that it has tax treaties with. Uh, but it's important to remember that tax treaties are really to, to benefit you as a US taxpayer, US citizen, that you're not taxed twice. Welcome to The Financial Commute, a weekly podcast that gives you the rundown on what's going on in the current market, how it affects you, and what you can do about it, all designed to fit into your commute. I'm your host, Chris Galeski, and each week I share the table with a knowledgeable guest, including Morton Wealth Advisors, fund managers, and investment analysts, to break down complex financial topics. Our goal is to provide you with the tools to help you navigate any market environment, leading to a path of more confident investing. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of The Financial Commute. I'm your host, Chris Galeski, joined by Wealth Advisor, John Winjed. John, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Good to be here. It's uh, exciting times. We're going to talk about something pretty interesting in terms of your experience with coming over here um, from Europe to work in the United States and you know challenges and things that you've experienced, but also to help others. Before we even get to that, I think we should start by saying, you know, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I know we're grateful for the relationship that we have with many of you and, you know, wish your, your families all the best. So happy Thanksgiving and holiday season. Um, last week was really interesting. Inflation data came in a little bit lower than expected by, you know, a tenth of a percentage point, And the market just rallied three and a half, four percent. Stocks were up three and a half, four percent to finish off the week. Four straight days of gains. Gold held relatively flat. Um, bonds even, you know, came yields came down a little bit. So it's interesting. We're still in this uh, world of bad news is somewhat good news, although lower inflation is just more relieving. And I think maybe the market's tying in. Okay, maybe the Fed won't have to continue to raise rates and suffocate the the economy. Any any points you'd add there? It, it has been an interesting week and turn of late. And uh, interesting as you were saying that, you know living previously in the UK where the time difference maybe we were ahead by the hours. I feel like being in the US, I'm in the future a little bit because what happens in the US tends to, to the rest of the world tends to lag and it catches up. And, and similarly in the UK, inflation data had come down and there's been a you know, subsequent rally. You'd, you'd often see a rally happen in the US uh, and then the rally would then happen uh, elsewhere. So I feel I'm living in the future, maybe not by time difference, but you know, I see what happens here. And then, and then I, I see that get repeated. You know, I'm back in Europe. Our developed economies, there's a, there's a lot of similarities um, to them, and there's a lot of reasons why you know why things have, that are happening here or there and vice versa affect one another, especially when it comes to supply chain inf- inflation. But Dude. not to go down a rabbit hole, um, I think we have a number of clients that either live here in the U.S. and go move overseas, or even people that have come from overseas here to the U.S. and there is a whole host of things that people should be knowledgeable about when it comes to being an expat and living abroad or living here in the U.S. And you've been able to uncover a number of different key points that people should be aware of that, that can help them. I mean, let's start with Social Security. I think you, you gave me a stat about a number of different treaties or agreements that countries have in place to um, help with social security or, or how that works. Yeah, I did. I, I did a post on this recently on, on LinkedIn because it is, 
it's something that I experienced coming over here. So coming over here mid-career, call it, I had been working, living and working in the UK, contributing to the equivalent social security there, which is called national insurance. And and that's effectively, that's the the, the state or the, the federal pension, if you like, in, in, in retirement. And coming here from mid-career, I was thinking, well, you know, I've got all these contributions in the UK. Do they just kind of vanish into thin air? I come over to the US, I need to make 40 quarters of payments to get full social security. No, to qualify. To qualify, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, to, to qualify. Yeah. Um, so I did a little bit of digging, and actually something that I found out was that the US, and I, I, I never knew this, had um, arrangements with over 30 countries, not just the UK, many, many countries. So if, you've, you, know, if you have lived uh, overseas for a period of time, if, if you're an American citizen that's gone and worked in another country and contributed to that, um, to that scheme, that equivalent social um, security scheme, then uh, actually that can count as a credit towards your U.S. social security. I love so, the difference in languages. Here, the U.S. scheme is is not the the uh, best word, right? But <laughs> but over over in Europe, it, it's okay. So if somebody from the U.S. went to go work in another country and they were contributing to that country's you know similar social security type of plan, they would also get credit. So, they would get credit, yeah, and they could utilize that. And actually, I and, and I've had this situations I, uh, with clients. I was speaking to a client actually last week, um, and it was a, a fellow British um, person. And, and they had moved over to the U.S. about 20 years ago, but had a good 10 plus years of contributions towards national insurance in the U.K. And they were they're coming up to uh, age to draw on their social security here uh, and were concerned about the gaps. But actually, it's actually very simple to go to your social security office and there's a whole bunch of information on it. Uh, and and you don't lose out, and and importantly, you don't lose out on those benefits, you know, for your family as well that might you might not otherwise have have, have had. So that uh, yeah, that's very for you. I mean, not only were you you know bringing your family over here during a very interesting time of COVID and having little one, um, but you you were working mid career, and so you you've got that uncertainty in terms of you know what am I able to take with me and what am I potentially giving up. So lots to think through. I mean, how did you how did you evaluate that when it came to you know income and assets and a lot of the decisions that you or others might need to make? How can you help other people that are going through this? Well, I'd say to anyone. So I think it applies whether you um, have worked internationally before, um, or you might have the opportunity coming up to work internationally. So if you're listening to this and and maybe there's a you, you know your employer has international offices and is looking at doing a placement for a year in. Paris, maybe you're Emily in Paris, uh, for example, uh, to think about the, the, the actual the differences between the two of those before you go to the other country. So either if you're coming to the US or, or going there, there's a lot of things that can be done. Like often you will find these things, things out after the fact. So give me an example. Well, to give you an example, um, there are you know, different envi- different environments will have different types of plans and how they recognize, how they approach, for instance, retirement planning. So if I think about in the UK, for example, um, there is a uh, there is a, a, a vehicle that it's really efficient, very attractive. Well, if I told you, if you as uh, you know, as an American going over there, if you were going over to London to work and somebody said to you, Chris, you could contribute post-tax money, you could do up to $25,000 a year into a portfolio that can grow tax-free, and guess what? You can take it out anytime, 
tax-free as well. You don't have to wait. Any time. I don't have to wait. Any no time. Very similar to a Roth. Yeah. Right. So similar to Roth, but not like a Roth where you'd have a penalty if you did it before 59, 59 and a half. Uh, so that is called an individual savings account. That's something that's really uh, attractive in the UK. And I had American clients in the UK that I used to look after, expat clients, and they, they love this as an investment portfolio, very tax efficient. Uh, but if you're an American, it's kind of pointless doing because it's not recognized here. You'd have to report it back if you had gains on that. US is one of the very few countries in the world that taxes on worldwide income. So it's not efficient for a US person to have an individual savings account in the UK. Other countries will have similar uh, similar schemes. You could continue to contribute to your Roth, your IRA back here in, in the US, but I had an individual savings account. Had I known that it was not recognized in the same way, I think I would have probably closed that before coming over. You can still hold it, but then you have to report on it like a regular investment portfolio. And if you have international uh, assets, if you have an international portfolio, if you had an international bank account, you've got to file that in your US in your US tax return. So I would have to report, or anyone that has a, a UK individual savings account living in the US will need to report on that um, and report on the gains. It's not recognized as a tax free as a tax shelter or a tax shelter here in the yeah, so just to clarify because i it's fascinating and so interesting because i always thought california was the one that likes to needle everybody with taxes but maybe it's a little bit the u.s right um so if you have an individual savings account um in europe and you're contributing to it as long as you're living there that money grows and you can take it out tax-free but if you're a u.s citizen and and once you leave europe and come back to the u.s and you have money in that account, let's say if it goes from $25,000 to $26,000, you don't have to pay taxes on that $1,000 in gains. You don't get that tax-free shelter, is that right? Effectively, yes, you could, but there are, and, and something else we could talk about is there are dual tax treaties okay, cool. between countries. So um, so the US and the UK is a very well-established um, dual tax treaty. The US has treaties with it's a lot of countries. I think it's like 70 different countries that it has tax treaties with. Um, but it's important to remember that tax treaties are really to to benefit you as a U.S. taxpayer, U.S. citizen internationally, that you have credits against your your U.S. income or uh, uh, that that you're not dual tax, basically. I mean, it's looking so you don't dual tax. So if you went and got a job in London and you being paid by an employer and you're paying income tax on those earnings like you would here if you're earning W-2 and you pay income tax on on that, that you're not taxed twice. Right. Um, so those three are in place. But the important thing to, is that there are different types of vehicles, not not schemes, yeah. like that's a word we use in the UK, but plans um, that you, you've got to look at how they are recognized in each country. Yeah. So the, the, the ones of the UK, not that they're, they're recognized in terms of the IRS know what these are, but the treatment might be quite, might be quite, might be quite different. And the same going the other way as well. I mean, the circles going the other way. So let's say you're somebody that's coming from overseas here to the U.S. or somebody from the U.S. going overseas. What advice would you give to them, sort of like a checklist 
of things to look into before making that decision. So that way they're best prepared for what they're going into and then what they're walking away from and how that coordinates with other things. Because there's so much going on here between um, owning assets, income, paying taxes, having retirement accounts, credits for Social Security, um, estate, you know, um, estate situations, or more detailed estate planning, I should say. You know, walk me through some things that people should be aware of. Well, I think I, I'm in a, a fortunate position that I've been on both sides. So I've been in the UK environment. I'm in the US environment. I've advised in the UK and I've advised in the US. But there are very few people that would understand both of those re regimes you know, in, any, in, any in any detail. So if you work with a, uh, a tax preparer here, then you're going to need to work with a different tax preparer in that country that you are either going to or have, have, have worked with or continue to work with that tax preparer. I mean, if you, if you, if, if for, for example, if I, my, I'm, I'm married to it, to an American citizen, I'm here to stay. My kids are dual citizens. But if I, for example, was you know, a single person and I was living and working here in the U S like I am now, and I'm, I'm going back uh, to the UK, I would still need to file U S taxes. So I'd still need a U.S. tax preparer for a number of years after leaving the U S. I think planning, I mean, we're, we're, we're wealth advisors, right? Planning is everything. Um, you know, knowing things like I didn't know coming over here, like how an individual savings account would have been treated. You can, you can make plans ahead of time. I'm working with a client right now who's looking to emigrate to, to Portugal. And we're working, we had a call with a, a CPA uh, that does U.S. returns. So it's a, an office where they do U.S. returns. They also have team members in that same office that do the Portuguese tax returns. And um, we were talking through um, realizing, for example, realizing gains ahead of going uh, because of the treatment from Portugal. So so there's, there's different treatment on uh, what a retirement account produces. Um, Portugal don't recognize the difference between a Roth and an IRA, for example. Okay. Um, so, uh, so we were having a, we were having a conversation, um, with my client, whether, whether they should convert their IRA to a Roth conversion, you know, like we would do here, um, in the U S and actually there was no additional benefit to doing that if they were going to emigrate to Portugal here in the U S there'd be a benefit to them doing potentially. Yes. So especially so, if there's about to be a, the same or a lower tax bracket in the future. Absolutely. It's, it's about planning and, and some type of, that's a, a situation where an emigration, you know, they're retired, that's a life choice. So that they're, they're not looking to emigrate to Portugal to save taxes or to do some sort of tax strategy. Yeah. They're doing it because they want to live their best life and, and that's where they, that's where they want to be. If you have lived and worked internationally, it might be it might not necessarily be because it's been a great dream to do it. It might be because it's been the nature of you know you've you've got a job there and you've like like sure. those that would come over here work in the entertainment industry or in or Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, yeah. Valley. Yeah. But you know there there are a number of people and clients that we talk to all the time that say, hey, you know what? When I retire, I want to spend you know five or six months you know here in the U.S. and maybe five or six months in Portugal or, Ital or Italy or Argentina or other places. Like this is a common thing. You know, what roadblocks or pitfalls might they run into? So. Well, um, so moving, if, if they're looking holding to- Holding assets. 
Well, assets is the big thing. Yeah. So assets is the big thing. What's your, you know, do you intend to, if you are retiring somewhere or you're spending a period of time there, then you might not be airbnb for six months. You might think, actually, I want to buy some real estate. Right. right. So, um, so real estate transactions, the treatment of real estate is, is very, very different. So if I use the UK example, um, in the UK, if you, your, if your primary residence um, in the UK, so you might want to think about things like the titling of assets is, is where I'm getting to. So your primary residence, once you s- s- when you sell that, there's no limit on the amount of the capital gain before it's taxable. It's, it's, it's free from, from tax if, it, if, it, if it's your primary residence. So if it's my primary residence and I bought it for a million dollars and it goes up to 10 million and I sell it, I don't have to pay tax. No capital gain. No wonder. No wonder yeah. real estate prices are so expensive in but certain it, areas. But you, but US. If you're a US and you had that international, that's for a UK. Yeah. Just your primary residence. Right. Now, if you had a vacation home in Europe, um, and if it was the same rules like 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 the UK, where there's no capital gains, and there are some countries like that, um, then you need to prove is it your primary residence. You have to think carefully about titling. So you might have. You might have, for example, a non-US spouse um, as well. That that happens as well, and families start to mix, and kids might meet non-US spouses, and then you've got grandkids that from the US, and 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 that that will then call into play some careful consideration in estate planning. But in the in in going back to the UK example, uh, you know we owned a real estate in in the UK. My wife is a US citizen. US citizens are taxed on their worldwide assets. We had to think very carefully about titling of that of that asset because had our real estate appreciated by more than it was two hundred and fifty at that time because we're uh, while we're a married couple we're not filing U.S. taxes married filing jointly. My wife was filing as a sing- as a single taxpayer, so it was a two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollar exclusion. So, you know, had we sold that and, and real estate prices in, in London, you know, could move like that over a short period of time. Sure. Um, then, and there's, there's a famous one uh, with Boris Johnson, actually. So he was born in New York and he sold a, a property in the UK that he owned, um, but he has dual citizenship, has US citizenship as well. Uh, and he had, it was the IRS hit him with a tax bill because it was over $250,000 gain and boris was selling his his primary home it's quite a famous case no kidding fascinating no. stuff yeah john i know that the the world of living internationally and coming and migrating to, to different countries or here can cause a whole load of questions um confusion or even need for clarity uh, i'm so glad that we have you to help guide our clients and others around a lot of these discussions and you know serve as a framework for making this so you know, thank you for, for sharing a lot today. And, you know, hopefully we can help impact the lives of others that are trying to make some similar decisions. Thank you for joining us. And we hope this episode has provided you with a roadmap to feel more confident as an investor. To receive notifications about weekly episodes, email us at financialcommute at mortonwealth.com.